0: Well, here's the thing, guys. We did Mother's Day a couple weeks ago and we took an opportunity to really emphasize the ladies and focus on that. I felt like it would only be fair to really make this a moment for the fathers today and really hone in on just the men and talk about it for a minute. So just to do a little simple um, quiz for everybody, I don't think this will be too hard. We'll see how well you guys are cultured, okay? Let's go through some of these characters. Does everybody know who this is right here on the screen? Easy one? Okay, easy one. Let's increase the difficulty just a little bit. Does everybody know this next one here on the screen? Oh, a little harder, a little harder. I made a quiz. That is Phil Dunphy from the show Modern Family. If you don't know that one, let's do the next one. Everybody know? Peter Griffin from Family Guy. If you're watching Family Guy, you need to repent of your sins. <laughs> ask for forgiveness. It actually is kind of funny. I'm not going to lie. All right, that's all I'm going to say. Last one. This might be a little harder. There might be a generational gap here. And it, Ray... From Everybody Loves Raymond, except his wife. If you've ever seen the show, that's what it should really be called. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is there's kind of a consistent quality to all of these men on this screen. These are all TV dads, and they're all kind of a joke, right? If you've ever seen any of these shows, they're kind of fumbling around, they're kind of stupid, and their exhausted, frustrated wives are just holding everything together. That's just kind of how these shows work. There's actually this well-known... TV critic, his name is Marouche. This is actually what he said commenting on just the trajectory shows have taken over the years. He says this, it used to be father knows best. And then we started to wonder if he knew anything at all. That's what he said. And this is interesting though, because Mother's Day, we take a moment, we say, ladies, God loves you, you matter. God, you're valuable, all the things we should be saying, right? And then on Father's Day, we say, man, what's your problem? Seriously, get it together, and then we close in prayer. That's what we do. And hear me today, I am not here to beat up on the guys, right? Men, this is not going to be a punching bag day, but I think it is interesting to ask the question about men. Right now, at this moment in our culture, men are more likely to be addicted to drugs, more likely to drop out of school, more likely to live at home with their parents as an adult, More likely to be unemployed, four times more likely to live in poverty. They make up 95% of the prison population. Men take their lives four times more than women. 80% of all single parents are single mothers. And as of this moment, 25% of all children in America will grow up without a father, making the United States the most fatherless country on planet Earth. That's the situation we're in. So I think it is a fair question. What is going on with the men? And we've tried to address this in different ways in our culture. So on one level, our culture has said, well, here's the thing. Let's just eliminate masculinity altogether. Let's make gender a social construct and your biology has nothing to inform you about how God wants you to operate or live in this world. So that's one level. But then we swing the pendulum to the other side and we make masculinity a total stereotype and meme. So what it means to be a man is to have big muscles Big trucks, big grills, and big guns, to which all the men said, amen, pastor. Now I like this church. I see where we're going with this. As I was saying that, I saw a couple of men going, yes, tracking with you right now, Brian. <laughs> What's interesting, from the earliest pages of the Bible, the creation story itself, we get introduced to the concept of masculinity. Now, Genesis 127, this is the very origins of the world. It says this, so God created mankind in his own image. That's profound. That's a whole other sermon right there. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So what we see here, we have men and women as equal image bearers of God, equal in value in God's eyes and how they've been created. And we have to acknowledge something here at least. Men and women, we have a lot of similarities. All right, we always talk about the differences, but let's let's just acknowledge at least that there is a tenderness to true masculinity. There is a strength to true femininity. If you read through the Bible, God charges both men and women to show things like love and patience and kindness and do all those things. So equal image bearers. And yet, as you start to read through the Bible, you see that God expects men and women women to express their unique image-bearing identity of God in different ways. So this is just one example. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 16, he says this, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. And then he finishes, be strong. So even Paul, in this one verse, and there's many others that we'll touch on here, differentiates the behavior of men from women. And so there are some very important qualitative differences in the way men are supposed to operate in the world. But that leads to this question. What are those things? What does it even mean to act like a man? Because that's definitely something that's gotten confused here. This is like a primer today, everybody. This could be a whole series. We could talk for weeks on this. Maybe we will someday. I don't know. Gentlemen, if you'd be interested in that. Ladies. But this is like a primer. All right? This is like introductory stuff because we just got to start somewhere. But I think this is going to be really interesting. And ladies, don't you worry. I'm coming after you in this sermon too. Okay? Just wait. It's coming. We got something for everybody here. So let's dig in. What does it mean to act like a man? On one level, all men have a responsibility and call to provision. Provision. Now, let's unpack this for a minute. Genesis 2.15, we're going back to the creation story. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Now, this is why this is so critical for us to notice. This is before sin. All right? This is pre-fall. Anytime you read through the Bible and you see writers use examples from pre-fall creation, they are using it as an argument for God's design and intention for the world. All right, so these are critical verses right here. You see, everybody, before there's even sin, God is asking men to work. Men, you are made to labor. Yeah, you are meant to put your hand to the plow. This is what you are called to do. God designed you to put your hands into whatever is in front of you and labor and work it and cultivate it to see it thrive and grow and be productive. Now I have to add some qualifications here because I know everybody's imagination starts flying around when I say words like provision and all these things. Here's what I am not saying when I'm talking about men are called to provide. I'm not saying wives or women can't have jobs or careers or contribute to the bottom line anyway. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying men or husbands have to make more money than women i'm not even saying that husbands can't be stay-at-home dads hear me on this you guys gonna understand even the context i come from so nicole and i we've been married a while now for pretty much the majority of our entire marriage with like the exception of one year after first child nicole has always worked and mostly always full-time She's got a master's degree. She owns and operates a business, and I encourage her in all of those things. All right, that's how our family operates, at least even at this moment. And honestly, in full transparency, Nicole often has made more money than me. Not hard to do when you're married to a pastor, but just know, in full disclosure, that has been a part of our dynamic many times in our lives. Yeah, that's right, amen. I got a sugar mama at home. So here's the point I'm trying to make, though, everybody. You have to be very careful about imposing your personal convictions about how your unique family is supposed to operate and mandating things that Scripture does not specifically mandate. For example, Nicole Knight, we have friends. The wife, she spent all these years in school. She's a high-power lawyer, high-power doctor. They have a lot of kids. For them, it makes more sense for the husband to stay at home with the kids in that season. And that's something you pray through and you consider. We have friends where the husband got severely injured uh, serving in the line of duty. He's on disability. It makes more sense for him to be staying at home. And I'm just using those examples because I understand all the dynamics look different and provision can look in different ways. But what are we talking about then when we say men are uniquely called to provide? What does that mean? What that means for all the men here is that regardless of your home dynamic, your career situation, you have the ultimate responsibility. To ensure that the people under your care that you are responsible to are taken care of and provided for. Now, this is spiritual. This is financial. This is emotional. This is any need that may arise for the people you are taking care of. You carry that weight if you are a man. That's what's so interesting. Adam, again, even before sin, God gives him a sphere of influence, a garden. He says, start working it. Labor in it. Make it thrive and cultivate it so anybody in your sphere of influence is going to thrive and benefit from it. That is your call as a man. God believes in this so strongly that you see Paul writing in 1 Timothy 5.8. Look at this. He says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's what you call real talk in the Bible right there. Paul is saying a defining characteristic of any man of faith is to take the provision of his family seriously and carry that responsibility. And to neglect this responsibility, Paul says, is essentially rejecting Jesus. I mean, you have to question your own faith if you are not carrying this responsibility as a man. God takes it that seriously. So let's get nuts and bolts right here, men. What does this even look like on a day-to-day basis? What does it even look like to be a provider with whatever situation you're in? Let me talk to married guys first, all right? Single guys, I got you, all right? I'm coming, don't worry. I like to use the word initiative. A lot of times, sometimes we talk about leader or head of household. Sometimes that creates a lot of confusion and frustration with authority and power dynamics. That's a whole other sermon. I'm going to emphasize the word initiative here because I really believe what it looks like is for a man to take initiative to ensure that his family is provided for. You are setting the pace. So, on one level, men, this is financial initiative. You are making sure that God is prioritized in the finances of your family. You're making sure you're taking initiative to make sure the budget is going in the right direction. You're on track with what you feel like God is calling you to. Now, hear me. You may be married to a woman who is way better with the books. Now, i getting amens from the ladies. Quietly, don't worry. You don't have to say. You might be married to a CPA or a lady who just knows how to stop you from spending. Lean into that. All right? Use the gifts. I'm not saying you need to hoard all of it and be like, no, this is my job, wife. No. All right? Lean into the strengths. But this doesn't mean that your job is just to earn piles and piles of money and then you're off the hook. Because this is what so many men think. They think, oh, well, man, I'm earning all this money. My family gets to go on vacations, and I just bought them all jet skis, so I'm good. I am a good provider. And that you fail in every single other area, right? That is not providing for your family. And just for the guys in the room, I want you to know this. If you are working hard, you're maximizing your skills, you are diligent with what is in front of you, you're using what God has placed inside of you, that may not always lead to massive amounts of money. But I really believe if you truly are using the gifts and skills God has used you, that is honorable in God's eyes, and you should feel proud of that. It's financial initiative. Real practical for Nicole and I. This is just how it looks for Nicole and I. This is just some of the stuff we've learned. I am more the financial mind in our family. So at the end of every month, I go over the previous month, look at all the just different line items, see where we're at, see where everything balanced out, and then Nicole and I sit down. We go for her business all of our income, all of our expenses, make sure we're on the same page. We bring it all together because we're married. And then we just make sure we're all good, all right? Are we unified in all these things? And even just on another level, younger guys in the room, I would encourage you, get a life insurance policy, take care of your family, make sure your kids are gonna be covered if something goes down. And I know this sounds kinda morbid, but let me explain it. Nicole and I have a document in our family called the If Brian Dies Document. (laughs) Now I know that sounds kinda strange, But here's the thing, something tragic happens in your family, there's emotions flying everywhere, there's confusion. You wanna make sure there are some clear directives on where everything is, how to access all the accounts. So this whole document, it just says, here's how you get the life insurance policy, here's where all the investments are, here's how you execute the will, all those different things. And I just review it once a year, make sure Nicole understands where it is. We have a couple key people in our lives who also have access to that document. Men, you have a responsibility to make sure the people in your life are provided for even when you're not there. That is a weight you need to carry. There's a spiritual piece to this too, though. Spiritual initiative. Men, we have a responsibility to be tuned into the spiritual dynamics of the people we are responsible for, to be sensitive to the spiritual temperatures of our families and the people we're taking care of. This is why this one is so hard we just have to be honest here, everybody. Most men are married to women who are further along spiritually than them. That's just true. A lot of times the wife is outpacing the husband in so many ways. I'm not saying that's okay. It's just what happens. But here's why I don't want that to be a place for discouragement. Because some of you guys are like, my wife is the Pope and I'm just down here just struggling. All right. Let me just say this. You don't have to be ahead to still take initiative. You can still encourage the spiritual process in your wife's life. So even if she's ahead of you, encourage that. Okay, like, hey, what are you learning in the Bible right now? What are you reading? Let her take the lead on some of the family devotional dynamics. Let her do her thing. But you can still take a step in encouraging and affirming that process in her. And I'm telling you guys, if you are married to a Christian woman, she is dying for this. Women want to be encouraged and even led in this area. And you don't even have to be ahead to take initiative in this. Take the smallest steps to affirm her own spiritual walk. And I know, especially nowadays, every single situation is different. Some of you guys in here, you're married to somebody who's not a Christian, in a much different place spiritually. Maybe you're here without your wife even right now. I get that. So you think of your own situation. What does it look like for you? to set the pace spiritually, to model it and even encourage it in the people in your life. That is what we are called to. And even just as a little side note, when it comes to even just the emotional side, a lot of us guys, we have to be honest about this too. We don't even always know the emotional situation in our own families with the people in our lives. Like how is your wife actually doing? Do you know? Have you asked her in a while? How are your kids? Where are they at? Does anybody in your family really need help right now? Do you have to bring in some professional help? You need to be dialed into the emotional side of your family. You are cultivating this so it can thrive. And for the single guys in here, if you do plan to marry, Right now is the perfect time to start getting your house in order. Don't wait to try to fix yourself after you're married because that doesn't work very well. This is your chance now to get yourself cleaned up financially. Get out of debt, start working hard, try to move out of your parents' house if you can, get these things moving. So then when you start working your garden, you're cultivating really well, you'll have something that a woman will actually want to join in with you to help cultivate and work. Now is your chance to do that. And even if you don't marry, that's just something that God may not have for you. All of this work, of taking initiative of providing is going to benefit so many people in your life. You have other family members. You have friends. You have people in your life that need you to be on your A-game. That is a responsibility every single man has. We are called to be providers, men. God designed us for that. And we need to step into that responsibility. Now, there's one other thing here I want to hit. Men, we are called to self-sacrifice. Now, I'm going to focus on husbands for a minute here, too, but I'll hit everybody. Ephesians 5.25, Paul says, husbands, love your wives. I just love that that's in the Bible. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is interesting, guys. We have a specific command from God to love for our wives. And then Paul qualifies it because he's like, and then just leave that open to interpretation. Whatever love means to you, let that be. No, he gives a definition. He says, here's the thing. This is what love is, is what Jesus did for his bride, the church. And he laid himself down for that bride. So here's the thing. Husbands, this is your standard. You die. Let's close in prayer. (laughs) Now, what I mean by this is, husbands, you have a unique call from God to lay your life down daily for the sake of your wife because it is a glimpse into the very nature of God and what Jesus has done on our behalf. Wives, you're not asked to do this. I'm not saying there aren't sacrifices you make. This is a unique call upon men. I actually know a man, a friend of mine, He married a woman who experienced severe extreme sexual abuse and trauma in her life. And they've had serious challenges when it comes to their own intimacy in their marriage. This guy over the years has had endless opportunities to be bitter and resentful and frustrated. Honestly, just throwing the towel. It's been a long slog for them. And yet this guy for all these years has been faithful, he has paid thousands and thousands of dollars for the counseling he has participated himself in the counseling he is dying to his desires the demands he could make and he is laying his life down for the sake of his wife's recovery i know another man whose wife started experiencing early onset dementia really young just tragic situation He's getting so extreme that she didn't even recognize him. She thought, actually thought he was a threat, so she'd be cussing him out and getting all freaked out when he entered the room. It's just a mess of a situation. And for years and years, this guy every day would care for his wife who was in constant decline, taking care of her basic needs, loving her when he could have just tossed her into some home and forgotten about her. And to her last day, he laid his life down for her. He laid down his dream of the marriage he hoped he would have, of the life he hoped he would have for the sake of his wife. Husbands, your call is to die. Now, some of you are like, well, she ain't meeting my needs. If you knew the woman I was married to, well, guess what? You died to all that stuff when you got married. Congratulations. You're dead to it for her sake. Now, for the single guys, you don't have the same call to lay your life down for women like you would for a wife, and yet all men have a responsibility to respect, serve, and even protect women like they're their own mothers, daughters, and sisters. So I know everybody would remember the story back in 2012 when this gunman entered the Aurora movie theater, just horrible, tragic situation. Some of you guys may not know, when that went down, there were three guys under the age of 30 in that movie theater when the shooting started. They were on a date with their girlfriends, these young guys. And the moment the shooting started, just right in the moment, they didn't even react. They put their girlfriends on the floor, and they put their bodies in between the shooter and their girlfriends. Now, those three ladies left that theater with minor injuries and are still alive today. And those three men laid their lives down to save their girlfriends' lives. Now, every single major news outlet applauded these men as heroes, as they should have, because there's something in every single one of us here. If you're really honest, you know deep down those men did exactly what they were supposed to do. They did an honorable thing, and they should be praised for it. Now, that same year, you may not remember this story. There was an Italian cruise ship called the Costa Concordia that started sinking. Tons of people on this boat, and it was a hopeless situation stories came out after that situation was over that grown men were pushing women and children who were crying and screaming out of the way so they could get on the lifeboats themselves. And then the news outlets then universally condemned these guys. Because if you're honest, you know deep down inside that grown men should not be pushing women and children out of the way so they can save their own lives. Men, we have a unique call for self-sacrifice. It starts in your family, it works out into the church, and it should be working out into the culture as an expression of God's very nature. And so if you were a man in here today, being a man does not give you any inherent authority or power over women. That's not what this is about. It gives you a God-given responsibility to sacrifice for the women in your life so they can thrive and flourish. And if that is as a husband, it means you are laying your life down. And it is often thankless, it's tedious, it's exhausting, and it's exactly what you were designed to do. And if it's as a single man, I'm coming, don't worry. If it's a single man, if you genuinely feel called, To singleness as a man. Some men, marriage is not for you. God has not called you to that. That is an honorable thing. Paul says, it is okay not to be married, but you have a unique responsibility and opportunity to maximize what God has given you for his kingdom, to maximize the finances, the extra time and opportunities you have. But if it is into marriage, Even in your single season, you now need to be cultivating the practice of self-denial and self-discipline because it is already benefiting your future wife and kids. And it's going to serve you well when that marriage comes. That is the call we have. Let me take a side note here and just do some man-to-man right now. Because I know for a lot of us guys in this room, you have not been properly equipped for this task. Your dad did not give you the tools you know you need. Some of you guys, you were just given a legacy of sin and mistakes and regret. And for a lot of us guys in this room, let's be honest, it can create a lot of resentment. It can create bitterness and frustration. And you can feel like you were just set up to fail. I want you men to hear me today. You have an opportunity to change the legacy of your family you can set a new trajectory. You can leave a generational impact. You can completely change the course of your family. God will help you do that. But there are certain things you have to do for that to happen. And one of the key things you absolutely need, if you are serious about this, men, you have to get other good men in your life. It requires a man to cultivate another man. Ladies, I'm not saying your role's not important. We'll talk about that in a minute. But you need other men to help shape you into the man you're calling to be. Proverbs 27:17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So here's the thing, guys. This is why we do like the men's ministry. All right, it's not because we just want to add another busy night to your week. We're just trying to create... <laughs> a context for you to hopefully just meet maybe one or two other men that you just click with, that you can start to cultivate a relationship with, have some accountability, actually experience some brotherhood. That is what we're trying to do. And it's amazing to me how many grown men have no real male friends. Really. You might have some drinking buddies or the guy you go fishing with, but you don't have any brothers in your life to challenge you and push you and encourage your walk in the faith. I got some dudes in this church are always texting me podcasts and things I got to read and articles. Sometimes I just ignore those emails because they come in so often, but they're very helpful. No, but truly, I appreciate it so much because I have guys who are like, you need to read this. You need to check this out. How's it going with the kids? They're checking in. Guys, this is your job. This is not the church's job. Okay, we can do some things to help. At the end of the day, you need to do the work to cultivate these relationships. Start texting some guys, put the work in, take it upon yourself to say, I'm gonna find one or two guys and I'm just gonna walk with them and we're gonna do this thing. Just take the steps. You need men in your life for this to work. Now, I wanna talk specifically to any men here. If you have sons or grandsons, if you're accountable to young men, I wanna just take a moment to hone in on this. Now, raising up daughters is an amazing privilege. I have a daughter. It's a high honor. If you have a son, you have a unique influence on his life just by the fact that you are also a male. This is a unique responsibility you have if you have a son. Now, you have to know this. Becoming a man does not just naturally happen in time, you don't just magically become a man when you turn 18. It doesn't just magically happen when you first sleep with a woman or you make a certain amount of money. Paul says, act like men. So what that means, it's possible to be a biological male who's able to reproduce and still be living like a boy. Does anybody know anybody like that? Don't say any names. I'm just saying. I think we have experience with this. If you are a father or grandfather, again, or accountable to a young boy, you have a God-given responsibility to cultivate a God-honoring masculine identity in him. This requires an intentional process. And so even for some of you dads, maybe you have young boys at home, use every opportunity you can to affirm the masculine behaviors you see in your sons. So anytime you see him taking any level of responsibility, cleans up his toys, starts cleaning his room, say, son, that's taking responsibility. I see that. That's what men do. I like it. He opens the door for a woman. Son, that's what we do. We take care of the ladies. We treat them with respect. You honor them. He smacks his sister in the face. Son, no, we don't. We don't lay our hands on a woman. And when he says, well, dad, that's not fair, you say, that's exactly what a little boy would say. That's not what men say. You take the hit. You take one for the team. That's what men do. And I want to recommend some resources. If you still have any boys in your home, I would say you're an uncle even, you're a grandfather. I cannot recommend these resources enough. I would almost make this required for you if you are a father on some level. This first one is a book. It's called The Intentional Father by John Tyson. I have read a lot of fathering and parenting books. To me, this is the single greatest one that you can read and it will transform the way you raise sons. There's another resource by the same author. It's called The Primal Path. You can find all this stuff online. It's actually an intentional tool you can use to walk your sons in an intentional process into true male identity and masculinity so i would highly recommend that but for any of the guys in here maybe you have older sons whatever it is maybe you take a proverb a day say hey let's just read a proverb a day and you go through that that will get you through finances you'll be talking about sex you'll be talking about all the different things find some podcasts there's amazing podcasts out there on being a man, talk through those things expose your sons and young men to other men who would be great influences, you need to be intentional about this, guys, this doesn't just happen naturally or by osmosis so lean into some of that I gotta take a moment though. gotta talk to the ladies, ladies I told you I was coming after you guys are like, yeah bring it Brian go get them now, let me, let me talk to the wives for just a minute here. Ephesians five thirty three. this is Paul. He says, the wife must respect her husband. There is no disclaimer. There's no provision given. Paul doesn't say, well, unless he doesn't earn that amount of money you want him to earn, or if he doesn't really reach your bar that you expect him to reach. And I know some of you ladies, you're thinking, well, Brian, you don't know my husband. He's lazy, he's disengaged, he's not doing his job. To which I would say, you picked him. <laughs> what do you want me to say? I mean, this is on you, you picked him. So <laughs> there you go, there's your consolation prize. Now, let me, let me, let me add a little bit more commentary there, all right? Ladies, you need to know Because sometimes us guys, we don't show this on our faces a lot. Most of us men feel like failures. A lot. A lot of us guys feel like we're not making the money we'd want to be making. A lot of us guys know we're not giving the time to the kids that we should be giving. We know we are not treating you the way you deserve and should be treated in God's eyes. We know we fall short so many times. So much of us men feel like we are constantly failing and falling short. It's very discouraging. If you really want to help the masculinity process in your husband, let me just tell you a few things that won't work. Constantly nagging him into submission. This is actually in the Bible. I can't even believe this is a verse in the Bible. Proverbs twenty-one, nineteen: Better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. That's in the Bible. God's like, dude, I can't help you. Just go to the Sahara, man. You're better off out there. You have a better chance of surviving out there than with that lady. You're with. I'm sorry, I don't know what to do for you. I truly, man, nagging. It ain't good work, ladies. Uh, emasculating him. Some of you ladies do this really well. You do it so subtly, you slip in a little comment. You'll even say stuff in front of other people or the kids. You just dress him down. And here's the thing, you may be doing those things and actually, you might be getting some quick results. Your husband is compliant, but you are undermining the masculine development process in his life. And you are turning him to a bitter, resentful little boy. And I have wives sometimes talk to me. They're like, Brian, my husband, he doesn't really seem to want to be around me. He doesn't really, he's just totally disengaged. Why would he want to be around somebody that makes him feel like a loser? So ladies, please understand this. You wives, your words have more power than any other person in your husband's life. You have the power to destroy him and break him down to a little boy or call him and lift him up into the man God is calling him to be. And so I just want to encourage some of you ladies, you need to be more intentional and take more opportunities to affirm the masculine process in your husband's life. When you see him taking any type of initiative, you need to affirm it, no matter how small. You need to encourage this. You need to understand he is not feeling it inside so many times. And as you speak those words, I'm telling you, you will see the behavior start to change. You cannot be condescending when you do this. You cannot be sarcastic. You will completely undermine the whole process. But if you will genuinely speak words of affirmation that encourage this development process in his life, I promise you, he will start to step into the man God is calling him to be. And when he does fall short, which he will, do not use that as an opportunity to tear him down. Well, I knew it. This is just who you are. Don't use that opportunity to do that. Let him feel the sting. Because a lot of women, they swoop in and they make up for all the shortcomings of their husbands and they just do all the heavy lifting. Don't do it. Let him feel the sting. But then make sure you keep showing the respect that God calls you to. Because that is truly what's going to transform his life. Now, I got to talk to the single ladies in the room. All the single ladies. (laughs) Now, some of you single ladies... You might be in the dating game, you might be open, you might be with a guy you're not married to, whatever level that is. You are not called to respect men in the same way a wife is called to respect her husband. So just know that, right? It's not like men have some authority over you. If you are in a dating season right now, this is your opportunity to set a standard for the men you are with. That's your opportunity. He needs to know that you are not looking for a boy to parent. You are looking for a man to follow. And honestly, you have a lot of power to shape that. If you're with some guy who's spending all his time playing video games and looking at porn and acting like a little boy, it is not your job to reparent him. You let him know, hey, you ain't ready for big boy things yet, all right? I'm looking for somebody to date and maybe potentially marry, all right? This ain't time for us to be fooling around. And this is the mistake that a lot of women make. Ladies, I'm just being honest with you. So many times women start entangling themselves with guys. They start living together, sleeping together. They just get their lives all involved together. And then they're like, why isn't he stepping up? Why isn't he acting like a man? It's like, well, your standard for him was a pulse. That's all you required of him. There was nothing else you were asking of this guy. He's alive. That's the only box he had to check. And now you're wondering why he's not stepping into his role. I'm telling you, ladies, In the dating season, this is your chance to say, "Um, excuse me, if you want access to this, it's gonna take a little bit more work than just some smooth talk, all right? You gotta put in the time. You gotta be responsible. You gotta respect this. You better believe you're putting a ring on it before you're moving into any house of mine. And I'm telling you, he will either step up to that or you tell him to move on. That'll be your greatest filter for the men in your life. And I'm not letting the men off the hook. You got a responsibility. But ladies, you're shooting yourself in the foot when you're putting the bar on the floor for him. Raise that bar up and I'm telling you, he will step up. Every single person here today has a responsibility to cultivate and encourage the masculine formation process in the males in this world. We carry that responsibility on some level, every single one of us. Men, this is hard. It is very hard. It is a high calling to be a provider. It is a high calling to lay your life down in self-sacrifice as an image of Jesus. This is a massively high calling. You need to hear me today. God will not call you to something you can't do with his power. He will give you everything you need. I know we just have so many men in this church, you feel like you've already lost before you started. We have guys, you've blown up a marriage Your kids won't talk to you. You're trying to fix maybe a marriage you're in right now. Like you're in a mess. And maybe a lot of it is self-inflicted. I want to encourage some of you men today, you can do this. And some of you, you may need to take responsibility for some of the stuff you've done. You need to own it. You need to apologize. You need to forgive. You need to take the responsibility, have the conversations, and then you need to leave it in God's hands. For some of those other people, and you need to press forward into what God has called you to. And when you fall short, which you will, you get up, you dust yourself off, and you keep pressing on to the high calling God has for you as a man. And the reason I am so confident that us men can step into this is because we have somebody who already did it for us. Jesus stepped into the ultimate provision. He paid the ultimate price of self-sacrifice. Man, you need to know Jesus provided for all of your sin. He's gonna provide all the power you need. He already laid his life down on the cross and he overcame sin and death itself. If you have not trusted your life in Jesus, you can do that today. Put your faith in Jesus. He has died for you. Your heavenly father wants to have a relationship with you. He died on your behalf. It's already been done. And for the men today, just know you can step into that same power. Jesus will give you the strength. He'll give you the presence. And he will help you to step into the calling he has for you as a man of God. And we're gonna sing one more song as we close. I just wanna put this out there to some of the men in the room. We always offer prayer at the end of the service and it's available to everybody today. Some of you men in this room, it's been a long time or maybe it's never happened where you've really had another man pray for you and speak just words of faith over you and just like look you in the eye and say, man, we can do this together. I wanna encourage some of you men, I don't care if things are going great or hard or maybe it's for another man. Some of you need to take that opportunity before you leave today. Just say, man, I wanna be lifted up. You need a brother in Christ to lay his hands on you and say, I believe in you and I'm going to pray for you right now and invite the power of God into your life. So that's going to be available after church. I want to encourage every man, especially on Father's Day, to really take that opportunity. And I really believe God's going to raise up some incredible men in this church who are going to leave legacies, who are going to make kingdom impacts, who are going to set the standard for this world and what it means to be a man of God. Can I hear a good amen on that, everybody? Let's pray together. Lord, I wanna thank you just on this Father's Day for the dads in this church. I do pray for strength over them in their fathering calling and journey. I thank you so much, Lord, that you are a heavenly father. You are not some cruel dictator or mean judge, you are a loving father. And I pray all of us would experience that today. And for those who have not trusted in you, open their hearts right now, Lord. Let them put their faith in you. Let them reach out to you and experience your loving presence in their life. I wanna pray for every man right now in our church, Lord. I pray we would step into the high calling of godly masculinity. I pray for the dads, the husbands, the single men, that we would put our hands to the plow, that we would labor, that we would work, that we would lay our lives down, Lord, knowing that it is glorifying you and lifting up the name of Jesus, Lord. Give us the endurance, the perseverance. And Lord, I just pray that you would be glorified through the sacrifices made by the men in this church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to get involved here at Northern Hills, check out our website at inhills.org or download the Northern Hills app. We hope to see you again soon.